Hey, podcast listener. Even though you're hearing this recorded show, you can still call us whenever you want. 1-877-929-9673. Our voicemail will take your call. Later, we'll listen to it just as we listen to all of them. And then there's always a chance that we'll decide to have you on the show to ask your question or share your story. On with the show. Support for Away With Words comes from National University, where flexible online classes let you earn your degree or credential on your schedule. Learn more at nu.edu. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. I can't believe it's already time to start talking about Words of the Year. But Amazing. what a great time we've had. Just let me say right now, so far, the year's not quite done yet. Yeah. But a fantastic time. News has been wonderful for language. Lots of cool stuff coming our way. I'm making yep. notes right and yep. left, right? You're collecting new words. And I got a few for you. What do you have? These are going to be on my nomination list for the Words of the Year when we do the vote in January for the American Dialect Society. Uh-huh. Tell me what you think about these. All right. First of all, Refudiate. Oh, has to be. It's in there. a wonderful Sarah Palinism. It's a mix of refute and repudiate. Mm-hmm. As soon as she uttered that word, it exploded in the search engines. It exploded in the dictionary searches. It exploded everywhere. This word is here to stay, whether you like it or not, right? Refudiate. Yeah. And you think people are going to be using it the same way as nuclear? Like, uh, No, they're going to use it like embiggen. Or they're going to use it like the Internet. They're going to take it and first okay, use it ironically okay. and truthiness. They're going to first use it a little ironically and in a knowing sense. And then I think in time it's just going to become normal. I think it is too. It's really interesting, yeah. right? Love yeah. it. And, of course, if we're talking about Sarah Palin, we have to mention Mama Grizzly. Oh, yeah. Right? These yeah. are these tough women who are look after their cubs, right? And right. They're successful in the professional world, right? Right. Love it. So those two, Refudiate Mama Grizzly. Got a couple more for you. Okay. We cannot have the word of the year vote this year without the word vuvuzela. Vuvuzela, <laughs> love it. Love Those buzzing it, horns love it. from the World oh, Cup. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Have you seen that sonata for vuvuzela on. Um... Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> it's just one whole note. Same I note. watched most of the World Cup, the big games anyway, the ones that were broadcast here, and I just, that sound is still in my head. It's like the cicadas every 13 years. It's the same sound. Love it. Vuvuzela. And then the last one, this has only come about towards the end of this year. Actor Randy Quaid and his wife oh, what fled the country yeah. and then told the police and the press that they fled the United States because they were worried about star whackers. W H A C K E R S, people who kill stars. <laughs> and on their list of friends and acquaintances who've died recently are Heath Ledger, Christopher Penn, David Carradine, Natasha Richardson, and they felt like they were next. So they oh, left the country to gosh. flee these Star Whackers. So Star Whacker is on my list of nominations for Words of the Year. Oh, my gosh. You don't think they're radio Star Whackers, do you? <laughs> um, <laughs> not at our level, Martha. <laughs> if we're lucky, somebody will uh, beat us about the head and neck with a tote bag. <laughs> If you have Words of the Year nominations, send them along. I'd love to have them and make them a part of my grand list. Send them to words at waywardradio.org or give us a call on the telephone, 877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, uh, my name's Andrea. I'm calling from San Diego. Hello, Andrea. Hi, Andrea. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. What can we do for you? Well, I was wondering how the nickname 5-0 for the police got started. Um... I've heard that it's from the television show Hawaii Five-0, and my boyfriend was very adamant in saying, no, it's because of the Ford Mustang 5.0 engines that police officers used to drive. Um, so I thought, is it one of those two, or is it something else altogether? Is your boyfriend around? He's not. <laughs> let, me just, let me just say this, and you can pass this on to him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, she says. It's not from the car. It is from the television show. It's, it is. It's yes. hard to imagine this point in American history where we had basically four channels, but we did. And so when Hawaii Five-0 was on the air in the 60s and 70s, 
It was big stuff. Oh, wow. so big. Yeah. So big. I mean, I am reaching for my flute right now because how many of us played the Hawaii Five-O theme song in marching band? Uh, there's only do, one do, hand do, up. Do, 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 do. <laughs> there's only one hand up here, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> but the theme song, it's like the, the earworm of all time, right? Oh, my God. I'll give a free plug to whatever network but you know they've got the new one now hey, and, you they know, do. it's not bad i was watching it the jimmy Consons on there grace park daniel day kim it's a good stuff yeah no that's, so that's how this question got started we were sitting there watching it one night and started wondering oh, where did that nickname come from could it really had come come from a television it show? is from yeah. the show and what's really interesting about this it comes from the show it doesn't show up until the show is in reruns basically it shows up like in the late 80s early 90s in um in neighborhood slang and I don't mean that as a euphemism for black. I'm just meaning from, like, guys on the street, whoever they happen to be, shows up as just a reference to the cops because it's a lot of street slang is about euphemizing real life. It's kind of like having an mm-hmm. indirect way to say something so people aren't quite sure if they're an outsider what you're really saying. And so it shows up. And then by the early 90s, it starts appearing in slang dictionaries and little slang connect- collections and and then entered the mainstream when – you know, television eats itself, basically. <laughs> you know, so tell us. Say. So, so Hawaii Five O is the name of the show. It starts being used on the street. Five O used on the street to mean the cops or the mm-hmm. police, right? Mm-hmm. And then it shows up in the dictionaries and the you know the cultural kind of indicating guides. Mm-hmm. And then television starts using it and other cop shows to refer yeah. to the cops. Yeah, right. exactly. yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of cool. It's, it's, it's like, kind of meta. Will the yeah. circle be unbroken? Like, Let's go anyway, back to Hawaii. Anyway, it does come from the television show, the original one with Jack Lord, um, which I remember watching. It is not from Mustangs. In the television show, the producer Martin Freeman named it Hawaii Five-0 because Hawaii is the 50th state. 50th state, that's, yep. Doi! <laughs> yeah, that's it. Interestingly, this is something that I really love the most about this, is that earlier this year, in July, CBS put a press release out that said the zero in Hawaii 5-0 is a zero and not a capital O. (laughs) Stop the press. Because the press press was writing about this, right? Uh Uh-huh. And they were putting the wrong character. They were really putting an O. Yeah, they're putting, <laughs> because because we say O for zero, yeah, even though that's technically yeah, wrong. Yeah, Andrea, but... would you write it that way? I think I would have. Yeah, most people do, actually. With I, an O. I guess, I don't know. In my Originally in my email about the question, I had put zero. Yeah, it's, really yeah, yeah. So you're so you're good. Yeah, impressive. Yeah. You're, you're all good, Andrew. I had you're, an instinct, I guess. So you're you're right, just all the way around. Wait till your boyfriend finds out about that. <laughs> yeah, where uh, what's the new? Idea? What's new? What's no, new? no. <laughs> uh, I see who has the upper hand here. Uh-huh. Right. I like to pretend. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. There's your answer. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, you guys. Okay. Super. Take care. Bye, bye, Andrew. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. If you have a question, call us, 877-929-9673, or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, my name is Heather from Vista, California. Hey, Heather. Hi, Heather. Um, I was calling to see if you could um, help me out with a phrase that I've been hearing a lot. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I moved to California about two years ago from Michigan, uh-huh. and I started hearing this phrase, it is what it is. And I was wondering if you could help me figure out maybe where this came from and or why the sudden rise in popularity. Oh, now, Heather, I want to ask you, how do you feel about that phrase? Does it annoy you? <laughs> it's more like I just notice it a lot. Okay, mm-hmm. good, um, good. And it seems like people will say it to kind of console or say, oh, well, sorry, there's nothing we can do about it. But mm-hmm. right. it is what it is. Bingo, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like the serenity prayer only compacted. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there we go, right. Give me the serenity to accept the things, I, whatever. The change, the wisdom. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or it's sort of say la vie. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, right. Tough beans, whatever. So you noticed it more after you moved to California. Are you suggesting that you believe it has something to do with being a Californian? Um, you know, not necessarily. It was about two years ago, and um, it it just looks like I just did a quick search online, and it looked it was about two years when it started being popular. But when I moved to California, that's when I saw the um, T-shirts and things that hmm. they had this phrase on them. So Interesting. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I first noticed it coming to pr- prominence in 2004 
2003 or 2004. That year, the American Dialect Society included it as one of its candidates for Word of the Year, which isn't always about the word, but sometimes it can be a phrase. And I don't think it won any great accolades, but it certainly went on notice as being something that people were paying attention to, lexicographers and linguists yeah. and so forth. Yeah, even USA Today had an article about how it's the most overused sports phrase around. Right, you know, when I was think, that? Oh, four. Oh, four. Oh, four. But and, there was a movie in 2001 called It Is What It Is. Right, and so the phrase is definitely older than that. Now, whether or not it's had any more prominence in the last couple of years, I can't say. William Sapphire, may he rest in peace, wrote about it in 2006 in the New York Times, and uh, British linguist David Crystal has also written about it. And the sum total of what they have to say is really interesting, is that this fits a pattern in English of us um, finding these shortcut ways to say, you just, as Martha was saying, you just have to accept it because that's all, there's nothing that we can do about it. And there's a bunch of these. David Crystal has a few great examples of um, it takes what it takes, which mm-hmm. sounds familiar to me. Or I'll be ready when I'm ready. You know? Yeah, or just whatever. <laughs> a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Boys will be boys. I mean, <laughs> tell me something new. I can't stand the phrase. If I'm telling you about a problem I have, I don't want you to say it is what it is. I want you to help me think of no, a solution. It's not, somebody, don't just accept the problem. Somebody, Heather, you know, do you think, I want some help. Do you think she should be peeving about it? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I know some people that it really annoys, um, and I know some people that use it quite a bit, actually. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can understand how people can get annoyed by it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heather. Okay. What can we say? <laughs> That's when you say it well, is. I guess what it, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What's done is done. Thank you so much for calling, Heather. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Whatever will be, yeah. will be. But I like that If someone says c'est la vie, do you find that annoying? It, I mean, if, we, if it's a fellow feeling kind of c'est la vie, but I think I that see. it is what it is when ah, I've used it. Yeah, that's the difference. It's, about, it's not about joining someone else in sympathy and Thank empathy. You. It's that's about what I'm separating to yourself say. and saying, tough yeah. luck. And that's what I'm saying. That's ah, exactly what okay. I'm saying. And maybe I just have a different sense of the well, expression. Well, you're but generally that's... a positive and upbeat person, so right. I can <laughs> absolutely see why you don't want somebody to tell you when you have a legitimate complaint. It is what it is. It is Deal what it is. It. Right. Nobody wants right. to hear that, right? But, you what know. you want to hear is, Oh, my God, I didn't know. Let me solve that problem for you. That's exactly it. And if I say, boy, it's a bummer that we all have to die, isn't it? And you say, c'est la vie. Well, then then I feel like we've bonded kind of some. Bummer, right? You know, it's sort of more like girl talk rather than yeah. boy talk. Yeah, thanks for nominating me to part of the girls club. <laughs> Makes me feel taller. one 877 is the number. Or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Martha, I'm still thinking about words of the year. Obamacare. Obamacare. This is the health insurance dealio that was passed at the behest of the Obama administration. They first started using it in 2009. The term just exploded in life in 2010. And here we are with the term Obamacare. It's generally derogatory, which I think is kind of obvious. But right. It's so odd because if you think about the word itself, it sounds positive. But it's been used in a really <laughs> That's right. yeah. negative kind of way. Hmm. If you've got a Word of the Year candidate, send it along to words at waywardradio.org or call with your Word of the Year nominations, one 929 You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett, and we're joined now by our quiz guy, John Chinesky. Hello, John. Hi, John. Hi, Grant. Hi, hi, Martha. How are you guys? Welcome back. Nice to hear from Doing you again. Well. It's great to be back. What kind of puzzle do you have for us? You got a quiz? Something? Yeah. I got a little something a hard for you time today. to give us. <laughs> uh, we'll see about that. Uh, you guys know what a word letter is, I'm sure. Uh, you begin with a word, any word. Uh, say we'll use the word word, W-O-R-D. Mm-hmm. And then you change one letter, mm-hmm. say the W to C to make. Chord. Chord. Mm-hmm. Then change another letter, say the D in chord to E for core. Mm-hmm. Right. Change the O in core to A for care. Good. And finally, the only original letter left is the R in care. Mm -hmm. Change it to M for? Came. Came. Good. So we've changed word to came. Now, we're going to do a few of these uh, small word ladders. I like to call them step ladders. Word ladders. Ladders. I thought you said word letter. I did too. Oh, word letters. Sorry. Flapping T in American English is so confusing. Ladder. (laughs) Your T's flapping. Word ladders. 
So I like to call them step ladders. Um, at each step, I'll give you a clue to the new word we're making. So here we go. Okay. Okay. Starting with the word step, S-T-E-P. Mm-hmm. Change a letter to get the opposite of go. Stop. Stop. Here we go. Start off easy. Now I'd like you to make wet food specifically for pigs. Slop. All right. How about the sound a horse's hoof makes? Clop. Good. Or how about we'll end with a dense, dull person? Clod. Clod. Good. Okay. That's our starter. Okay. Nice, easy, easy one. Yeah. Let's try another one. Starting with the word quiz. Change the letter to get a slang for one pound sterling. Quid. Quid. Yes. How about a high traffic area of a college? Quad. Good. Here's a somewhat rare word for a pair of objects. Duad? Duad, yes. <laughs> really? Very nice. good. Yeah. Just a guess. And from duad, we'll get expired. Dead. Dead. <laughs> That's it. And that word letter is dead. Let's move on to the next one. Starting with the word pain, P-A-I-N. Mm-hmm. Change the letter to get extremely self-absorbed. Pain to extremely self Vain. Vain. Okay, Very good. Okay. How about from vein to a component of the circulatory system? Vein. <laughs> vein. <laughs> oh. vein to vein. Very good. Uh, how about from vein, V-E-I-N, to a covering for the face? Veil. Mm-hmm. Veil. Good. And from veil to the meat from a calf? Veal. Veal. Very good. All right. Next step ladder. Starting with the word line, L-I-N-E. Change the letter to make... Part of a chain. Link? Mm. Yes. From there, from link to a hockey venue. Rink. 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 From rink to uncommonly putrid. Rank. Rank. <laughs> from rank to a piece of billiards equipment. Rack. Rack. Ah. Nice work. Here's the next one. Starting with the word bear, B-E-A-R. Mm-hmm. Change a letter to a policeman's patrol. Beat. Mm-hmm. Beat, yes. From beat to without equal. Best. Best, best yes. <laughs> from without equal, from best, to rib. To rib? Jest. To rib. Jest, yes, very oh, good. Jest. An intentionally short, curt <laughs> clue. And from jest, let's change jest to something that means fair and equitable. Just. 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 Very nice. Okay. Let's do one more. Okay. Okay. Starting from rasp, R-A-S-P. Give me a word meaning impetuous. Rash. Good. Now give me the title of a popular 70s dramedy. Mash. Yes. From mash to a grammar school subject. (laughs) Math. Math. And from math to legendary. Um, Try a legendary story. Myth. Myth. Yes, very good. You did myth that one. That was great. Thank you, John. If you'd like to talk about grammar, slang, punctuation, or words and how we use them, the number to call is 1-877-929-9673. That's 1-877-WAYWARD or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Bob from Asheville, North Carolina. Hello, Bob. Asheville. Hey, yeah. And I have a question uh, about a word, and I think it's kind of a, a conceptual thing I've been wondering about for a while. Okay. I think a lot of us have been in a situation where we've felt kind of awkward with kids in the car, and you've driven by, and they say, Daddy, or what's an adult bookstore? What's an adult movie theater? <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, you kind of talk around it or say, oh, that's something you'll see when you're older or whatever. But, you know, everybody basically in that context, you know, you have no doubt what that is. Uh-huh. But then I'm thinking, I saw an advertisement, and we couldn't keep from laughing because they were advertising adult daycare center. You know, a place to take your, your aging parents oh, that perhaps mm. couldn't, couldn't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And we were making horrible, you know, really bad jokes about, you know, granny in a red corset and stuff like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got us to thinking. Apparently, the word "adult" means different things in different contexts. <laughs> yeah, an adult and, daycare center could be really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're never too old. That. <laughs> yeah, of course. Nice. And then we were thinking, you go in a library, and you know, like they have a section called children's books, but you don't think of the arrest. The rest of the library is the adult section. Mm-hmm. No, no. 
Mm-hmm. Not unless there's a beaded room somewhere. Right. <laughs> a beaded doorway. <laughs> a secret chamber. So anyhow, really what I was wondering is, when did it come to be that the word adult is used as a euphemism for pornography so everybody kind of understands what it is? Adult really started to take on the, the connotation of having to do with the more purient and sexual side of being adult, the things that adults do together when they're alone and... Uh, and the, about the time that America started mainstreaming titillating content, uh-huh. adult had long been used as in, even in the as in the early days of the movie making business to refer to films that had blood and violence and adult situations that weren't sexual, and they uh-huh. used it very specifically to mean this content is not appropriate for a child, and they weren't talking about anything sexual at all. Then so of course by the time we started mainstreaming sexual content in our movies and our books and our magazines and so forth, the term was already there and ready to be used to refer to the sexual nature of something as well. So are we talking mm-hmm. late fifties, early sixties? Yes, that's right. Yeah, in the nineteen fifties, forties and fifties is when we start to see adult to to take on this kind of subsense to mean um, of a sexual nature uh-huh. or of a purient nature. When I was a kid, there were theaters, and they, they used to call them art houses, and I thought mm-hmm. maybe that was to get around the law like the Supreme Court because it had artistic merit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, it could have yeah. been. I'm Certainly, that was definitely one of the euphemisms, as was French film. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, yeah, and blue movies, too. I mean, when I was little, I pictured blue movies. I mean, is that like Avatar? What? <laughs> I, <laughs> the Smurfs. Really? <laughs> the Smurfs. <laughs> oh, the Smurfs. <laughs> But but in any case, yeah, it, it, it's there's plenty of room because of those dual meanings for lots of jokes and laughs about this. I, I think it's almost always context sensitive, and if you want to misunderstand for the sake of the joke, then go right ahead. But okay. I think I think it's pretty usually pretty easy from context to tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, I love the show, and thank you for answering that, Bob. Okay. Thank you for calling from Asheville. Thanks, Bob. Uh huh. Bye bye. Bye. What's your question about language? When did it change and become something new? one 929 Or send your questions and comments and stories and email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Liz. I'm calling from Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, hello, Liz. Welcome Hi, to the Liz. program. Uh, thank you. Well, I have noticed in this political season that every time I hear a political ad on television... At the end, the candidate comes on and says, I approve this message. And every time I hear it, it doesn't sound right to me, And but I can't figure out why. I think I want to hear them say, I have approved of the content of this message, or I approve of this message, but... Or this message wasn't so great. Or <laughs> this message is a big fat lie, or... <laughs> now, that's what I want to see on that. <laughs> there <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> And I've, you know, talked this over with friends, and some of them have said, oh, no, that sounds right. And then a lot say, no, it doesn't sound right, but I don't know why. And Mm -hmm. we thought maybe you could help explain whether it's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, Liz, are you saying that what grates on your ears is, in the present tense, I approve this message? I, you know, tense may have something to do with it. It's, uh, if they say it in the present tense, it sounds like, oh, I just heard that for the first time. I approve that. <laughs> exactly. Ah. You know exactly. what I mean? And, and maybe that's what bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also trying to figure out, is there some sort of grammatical rule that would explain why it doesn't sound right? Mm-hmm. I don't know about a rule. To me, I approved this message sounds less weird. And I've been thinking about why that might be. And I think one reason is that... There are a couple of different meanings of approve. There's we approve of our daughter's boyfriend, which is different. It's like you're expressing heartfelt support Mm -hmm. and you say approve of. But you would also say the city council approved the stadium. They, they passed something that would allow the stadium to be built. I think there's, there's a difference there. And I miss that of. In there. Well, it, when I'm hearing it in the political ads, they are not saying approved with a D on the end. No. Mm-hmm. no. They're just saying I approve. Yeah, and I think that's what's so weird. And I think it's partly because if you use that second sense of approve, that is put your stamp on, mm-hmm. then you're not used to hearing that in the first person. 
you're used to hearing it, the council approved this, but you don't usually hear, I approve But that's not the that. sense they're using necessarily, right? Is it because it's a combo of these two senses? They're, the politician's approval is an ongoing event. It is not a one-time event. They continue to approve of the message or approve well, it. I would think that the person signed off on the message. And so, to me, past tense would make more sense. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? I agree, because you wouldn't say, I sign off this message. Right, I signed off. I signed off on this message. Right, yeah. so maybe that's not the sense that they're meaning then. Maybe they are meaning it in the sense of, a, I approve of a boyfriend, which is... But they I, aren't putting the of in there. Exactly, that's what I she's see. saying, is that the of isn't there. Mm, very interesting. I approve of this message. But it's so directly tied to elections and has been for a number of election cycles that I don't think we're likely to escape it. Well, you know, it occurred to me the other night that it could just be economics if they're paying a million dollars for 60 seconds. They don't have a time to say, I, <laughs> right. I approve of the content of this message. Now, yeah, that now, little preposition about, costs a lot, right? But this came about because of legal requirements, right? right. Having to acknowledge yes. who the, the, the campaign itself was responsible for the ad and not some PAC, right? Right, right. The Campaign Reform Act of 2002, I think. But I think that it sounds more authoritative hmm. if you say, I approve this message. I think that's more like the city council approved the stadium. Mm -hmm. right. But approve of this message seems to me more heartfelt or something. Interesting. I wonder if we can find election ads where they have said approved, where somebody thought about this instead of just borrowing the message from somebody else. Because that's mm -hmm. the thing. They all sound the same. I think there have been. And I know when George Bush was running... His messages in Spanish were definitely past tense, ah, aprobé. Ah, very interesting. So I, th ah. I don't know if it's a conscious choice by the politicians or more likely their handlers mm -hmm. or what. But I agree with you. It sounds weird to my ear, Liz. Hmm, interesting. Well, this is a great question, and I bet we hear more about this. So we approve of your bringing it to us, Liz. Well, thanks so much, and I certainly enjoy talking with you about it, and we'll love to hear other people's ideas about it. Okay. Me too. Thanks, I Liz. I bet we do. All righty. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Let us know what you think, 877-929-9673, or send those emails to words at waywardradio.org. Hi, you have a way with words. Hi there. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm from Southern California. Welcome, Eric. What can we Thank do you. for you? Well, last week, a gentleman called in asking why his daughter uh, would always say fail. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys had a great answer for him. Um, and which got me thinking, uh, what's an Internet meme, and where does the word meme come from? Mm -hmm. Ooh, very good, very good mm -hmm. question. Internet meme, do you have any guesses? Um, I don't. Maybe something, something having to do with me, myself. Ah. I, don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I there's don't a know. good guess. <laughs> well, we should define what an Internet meme is. How would you define it, Eric? Um, I guess maybe a trend that's caught on, usually short-lived, mm -hmm. often pretty popular in the, in the short time span that it's around. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, what? Well, fail, for example, yeah. is, is kind of an internet meme where, yeah. uh, wow, there's countless examples. But, oh, sure, yeah, tons of them. Yeah. Sometimes in the form of animated GIFs or silly YouTube videos or... Or Rick Rolling. Rick Rolling, sure. There you go, there you go. <laughs> there you go. The origin of this word is known, which uh, I, it's crazy how many words we don't really know exactly who coined them and when, but we do this one. It oh, comes wow. from Richard Dawkins, who published a book in 1976 called The Selfish Gene. And in this book, he lays out the idea of a meme. And a meme, M-E-M-E, -E, is something that is transmitted from person to person usually culture, and not culture as he, as he notes, not in the, the snotty elitist sense, but in the things that we all know, we all know how to do, or that we all recognize. And he gives a list here of memes, tunes, ideas, catchphrases, clothes fashions, ways of making pots or of building arches. And so it's all the information, ideas, and knowledge that we transmit from person to person sometimes consciously and sometimes unconsciously. And you're probably thinking now, well, this reminds me a lot of a virus that passes mm -hmm. from person to person, which is why internet meme and going viral are, are two terms that are closely related to the idea I of see. something becoming unexpectedly 
popular or or being passed from person to person in a natural, organic way. And it makes sense that Dawkins would come up with that because he's an evolutionary biologist, right? Right, and right. an atheist. Uh-huh, <laughs> right? right. Famous atheist, and he, yeah. He, his whole premise was, and there's an article in New Scientist that we'll link to on the website from 1976. His whole premise was, is it possible that these things are transmitted from person to person or from group to group, not because it's advantageous to the people, but because it's advantageous to the ideas themselves. Mm. It's, a really, uh. it's really kind of an astonishing thing. What if we are merely the vessels of good ideas and that the end result of all life isn't a perfect form of a being that is alive and well, but a perfect idea? There you go. Deep philosophy. So he took it from a Greek word, right? That's that means right. Mm-hmm. to mimic. That's right. And he wanted a word that sounded sort of like gene, That's right? That's right. Exactly so right. The sort of replicating idea across yeah, the, the internet. The Greek word is M-I-M-E-M-A that means that which is imitated. And it caught on. His, his book was very popular then. It's been popular since. Many follow-ups. He's well known for the idea. And most major dictionaries now include the word. Wow. Well... Who would have thought such a small word has such a big history? <laughs> it filled a need, though. It, it did. It did a job. This is he. He, right. he came along with this word at a time in the philosophy of science and in human culture and anthropology, where all these different disciplines were coming together, and we needed new language to express some new concepts. And he was there at the moment, and he had the word, and it caught on. Hey, Eric, thanks a lot for calling. No problem. Thank right. you for a uh, very insightful answer. <laughs> well, we try. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. 877-929-9673 or words at org or find us on Facebook at slash waywardradio. Every year when I put together my words at the year list, I like to sneak in a couple that haven't really caught on yet. Yeah, those are some of my favorites. Yeah, because there's always that question, are they going to make it? Has Grant chosen well? You know, and usually I don't choose that well. Oh, yes, you do. (laughs) But it's fun in the meantime. And one for you this year is Imapacy. Imapacy. With an I. I Mm I-M-M-A-P-P-A-C-Y. And it's like illiteracy Mm -hmm. with maps. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to use them. Make them. You just can't understand them. A mapacy. That's I nice. love it. It's like a numeracy, right? Yes, exactly. It's modeled after a numeracy. Yeah. So it can be a phrase. It doesn't have to be new, but it has to be important to the year 2010. Give us a call, 877-929-9673, or send it an email to words at waywardradio.org. Away With Words is sponsored in part by iUniverse, supported self-publishing. Is there a book in you? Information available at 1-800-AUTHORS or online at iUniverse.com. And by National Geographic Books, publishers of The Last Speakers, The Quest to Save the World's Most Endangered Languages by K. David Harrison from the Emmy-nominated documentary The Linguist. In bookstores and on the web at shopng.com books. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. In a previous show, we talked about great first lines, those lines in novels that just grab you from the get-go. And we asked you for examples of your favorites, and we got a ton of them. Oh, boy. And so I wanted to share some of these with you. They sort of separated themselves out into three categories. The first category I'm calling the, huh, what just happened? (laughs) <laughs> category. The second one is unforgettable pictures, and the third one is intensity of voice. Let me give you some examples. Okay. Okay. This, this is yes, from please. the huh? What just happened? Pile of emails. They shot the white girl first. Oh. Isn't that just? Yeah. That's so. I'm going to read the rest of that book. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, that's a, that's the same thing what that happened to me that? with all of these. This is Toni Morrison's novel Paradise, mm. and Jim Adams from Capistrano Valley sent that in, and he said that he first came across that in a creative writing class that everybody was anticipating Toni Morrison's next book, mm-hmm. and his teacher was saying, you got to look for her first line. What's it going to be? And it turned out to be, they shot the white girl first. Powerful. How could you not go beyond that sentence, right? Right, right. And then there was the unforgettable picture category. Steve Link in San Diego sent us stately plump Buck Mulligan came from the stairhead bearing a bowl of lather on which a mirror and a razor lay crossed. Holy moly. What is that from? (laughs) That's from the beginning of Ulysses. Wonderful. Isn't that great by James Joyce? And then intensity of voice, finally. 
A lot of you mentioned Call Me Ishmael, you know, from mm-hmm. Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. There's a great essay on this by Michael Cunningham, who wrote The Hours, and he talks about how the words Call Me Ishmael connote authority. He says, Call Me Ishmael, three simple words. What's the big deal? For one thing, they possess that most fundamental but elusive of all writerly qualities, authority. As writers, we must, from our very opening sentence, speak with authority to our readers. It's a little like waltzing with a new partner for the first time. Anyone who is able to waltz, to foxtrot, or tango, or perform any sort of dance that requires physical contact with a responsive partner knows that there is a first moment on the dance floor when you assess automatically whether the new partner in question can dance at all and if he or she can in fact dance how well. You know almost instantly whether you have a novice on your hands and that if you do, you'll have to do a fair amount of work just to keep things moving. We're not done taking your recommendations for the best first lines of novels. Sure, bring them on. Words at waywardradio.org or 877-929-9673. Try our discussion forum at waywardradio.org slash discussion. Hello, you have a way with words. Oh, hi, Martha. This is Kathy from La Mesa, California. Hello, Kathy. Welcome. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the program. Well, I'm looking for recruits to help me in my revival of some awesome phrases from the 70s. There there were awesome (laughs) phrases in the 70s? Well, Mm. I think we have Austin Powers to thank for for reminding us about Foxy Lady, which Mm. is just such a vibrant and lovely compliment. You like being called Foxy. Uh, sure. You yeah. can call me Foxy. It's a compliment mm-hmm. then, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. It seems that way. Okay, mm-hmm. sure. And Grant, since you're a slang slinger, I'm hoping you can help us figure out where the expression jive turkey fits in. Jive to... turkey? I think we were actually watching some 70s cheesy movies, and uh, there are just several scenes where somebody gets just their nose completely out of joint when someone else calls them a jive turkey. And it just seems so innocent or or at least, you know, completely inoffensive. But Mm -hmm. I guess all of these things are just contextual. Mm -hmm. So so if you look at the use of the word jive back in like the late 50s and early 60s with beatniks, you know, are you hip to the jive? Mm -hmm. That seems like a cool word, but suddenly in the 70s or later in the 70s, it's become something of an insult. Yeah, the jive goes back to the 1920s at least, and it starts out almost immediately with a negative sense, and it refers to boasting or bragging or just a lot of big talk. And it starts in black English, so it's really interesting that it continues for some five or six decades well into black English. Um, And then Turkey's got its own history out of showbiz, meaning a flop, and then migrated from, you know, Hollywood entertainment-type speak into mainstream English. So you put the two together and you get a jive turkey. I've seen those movies. You're talking like the black exploitation films, right? Absolutely. And they don't usually use harsher language, like four-letter words and melon farmer and that sort of thing, right? <laughs> right. And thankfully, we're searching for uh, ways to to maybe drive the language back to a simpler time. Oh, so that's what you and your mm. your other are up to, right? Your bow or you want to you think it was simpler? It was definitely a much more creative use of language. How's that? Because it's just so easy to go to four-letter words and curse words and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if you can convey the same just, you know, cut to the gut insult with something like jive turkey, then you get kudos from from us for uh for being a better user of language. Oh, but who's really going to take jive turkey seriously? I mean, I would have to say you jive turkey, you. But that's because... what, wait, but <laughs> Kathy, what I was getting at is in those movies, they didn't have a lot of truly coarse language, right? Because they were mainstream films? Right. All right, so jive turkey is kind of a stand-in for the rougher language that they can't get away with using. And so I think you as the viewer are meant to understand that jive turkey represents, um, you know, a lot of really hardcore language that we can't say on family (laughs) radio program. It's a stand-in for the tougher language. So did it have a sting or was it self-conscious? Yeah, it had a sting because jive, I mean, just forget the beatnik stuff. That's kind of like, that's white guys taking black language and doing things to it. But in black American English, Uh jive was generally something negative for a very long time. Your jive was all your bragging talk about Mm -hmm. how great you were that nobody else believed. Mm -hmm. And so if you are a jive turkey, you are a 
loser and a failure who is constantly talking about how great you are. And no, you know, so you're a jive turkey is not a really nice thing to say. I mean, it's not as bad as calling somebody, um, you know. <laughs> uh, but jive turkey's got a long heritage. I think you are undertaking a noble deed. Your cause is just to bring jive turkey back to the masses. Thank you. If we come up with a uh, male equivalent for foxy lady, mm. uh, I will go ahead and call you back and apply that to you, Grant. <laughs> Kathy, thank <laughs> you so much for your call. Absolutely. My pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. If you have a question, call us, 877-929-9673, or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, is this Grant? This is Grant. Who's this? Hi, Grant. This is Gay Macy. I'm in San Diego. Hi, Gay. Welcome to the program. Thanks. What can we help you with today? Okay, this is a funny one. Well, I um, worked at a law firm for about 20 years in San Francisco. Um, I did a lot of um, document review, fact-checking kind of things, and so it kind of caught my eye, and I don't know if this has been going on for a while and I was oblivious or if it's a sudden change, but I noticed in titles of things, like I was at the checkout counter, I, I get the Atlantic, I get San Francisco magazine, and I noticed that on the cover when they put titles of stories, it used to be that you would initial cap kind of the important words, you have mm-hmm. the nouns and verbs, and mm-hmm. some of the smaller things would be capped. But now I, I've noticed that everything gets initial caps. So I, I was kind of wondering, when did that happen? So we're not talking about the National Enquirer and the Star <laughs> and, and the Weekly uh, World News and those sorts of I only of... read those at the hairdresser. Right? I see. <laughs> okay. But we're talking about a, a wide variety of considerably well-edited newspapers. L- literary. Are, are, yeah. Are, yeah. Okay. That I would consider it a literary level. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And I know what you're talking about because the rules we learned were different, right? I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Like you capitalize the first letter and the last letter. Right. And then nouns and verbs. Exactly. And adjectives. But you don't capitalize prepositions that come in the middle of the headline. Exactly. And, yeah. and it almost made telegraphic sense. Like, you know, man bites dog. But you wouldn't say man bites the dog mm-hmm. on the no, you know, mm-hmm. it, so the telegraphic thing is missing now. Right. So I'm not sure. Right. Is that a new thing? Well, it's it's interesting to see how these rules are changing in different venues. And, and again, I think the thing that messes us up is that we get taught in school to capitalize book titles this and that way. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to watch. I hadn't noticed The Atlantic, but I'm looking online and then, and I see what you mean, that every single one of those is capitalized. You know, it's The Atlantic. <laughs> I consider it like, you know, a literary light. Uh, yeah. If anyone's going to do it properly, the, the New York Times and the Atlantic would do it. Well, hold on a second. This isn't a matter of proper, right? This is, a, this is a matter of style. This mm-hmm. is a matter of institutional choice. It, it's not an accident that they're doing it this way. It just seems from, we had something called the Blue Book, which you, had all these rules in it for doing citations, legal citations, and it included right. capitalization. And I'm sure the AP Style Book has something similar. Right. So I don't know. I assumed it was a grammatical rule, but it is capitalization. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if it's a rule or a style. The Union Tribune here in San Diego, they had a redesign recently, and Mm -hmm. a lot of their headlines are now all caps. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's an institutional style that they do for aesthetic effect. Okay. And, and it may you may be right. You may be 100% right. It may affect your ability to, to understand what is most important in that headline because the capitalized words aren't standing out the way they did, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If the word of and the word the, the are capitalized, they're kind of like taking away a little bit of oomph away from the more important stuff happening in the sentence. Yeah, but I understand what you're saying, Gay. I mean, it's it's nice to have that predictability, right? That thing that you can depend on. It's just funny. It's, it just caught my eye because I'm used to seeing things that look like book titles. Like in the olden right. days when you right. looked them up in the library card catalog and they were written a certain way. Exactly. And and they just looked right. Yeah, you get you get accustomed to that. I think that's and then, it. Yeah. I think that's it. So yeah. it just suddenly, for some reason, rearranging things, I really looked at it and went, oh, gosh, that's looks different. Exactly. When that happened. So, Gay, you and I are going to have to just sort of <laughs> stretch our brains a little bit more. Do some, some I like that, though. mental I yoga. good to stretch our brains <laughs> yeah. and, and go for new things. But I thought, you know, Grant and Martha would know about this. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks very much for running with that one. That was kind of fun. Okay. Thank you for calling, thanks, Gay. Gay. It's okay, really interesting. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Have a question about language? Call us 1-877-929-9673 or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. If you know me, you know my rant about serial commas. Grant, you know this. I've seen the bloody knife, yes. (laughs) I am a big fan of serial commas, that last comma in a series like red, white, and blue. I want that comma there after white. Sure, yeah, I agree. And a lot of people agree with me, but it's a contentious issue. Well, I just found another great example of why we should use the serial comma always. Uh, It's a caption that was in a newspaper article about Merle Haggard, Mm -hmm. okay, had a photo of Merle, and underneath it said, the documentary was filmed over three years. Among those interviewed were his two ex-wives, comma, Chris Christopherson and Robert Duvall. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the serial comma, Yeah, I know. The the slavish adherence to that Associated Press Uh, stylebook rule means uh, these kind of laughable moments are pretty pretty much an everyday occurrence, uh, right? Oh, they just, they hurt so much. And and I know that newspapers are trying to save ink and save space, but please spare that little serial comma. We need them. They're like plankton in the ocean, you know? They they, They feed the mighty whale. That's right. Thank you very much. And they feed mini rants. That's right. Like this one. If you'd like to rant about grammar, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hi, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Christina from San Diego. Thanks for taking my call. We're hey. happy to. What's up? Well, I'm calling you about a phrase that I have heard from uh, my in-laws in Pennsylvania, and the phrase is another country heard from. Um, usually we bring our babies to visit, and a lot of times we'll have a, a baby sleeping in another room, either napping or asleep for the night. And if, if they peep up, if we hear them crying or just a little baby noise, um, my in-laws will say, oh, another country heard from. Oh, <laughs> so I, just, I thought it was an interesting, really interesting expression, and I started asking around other, pe- you know, other people if they've heard it. And um, one of my friends said her mother-in-law uses it. Interesting. And then my mother said that her mother would use the expression if there was a discussion and she felt it had come to an end and then somebody would pipe up and she wasn't really interested in their opinion. And she would say, oh, another country heard from, kind of with exasperation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and where was she from? She was from the Boston area. Okay, so Pennsylvania, Boston. And so it's always another country heard from. Yeah. Okay. So California, Boston, and Pennsylvania. So far. So far. <laughs> and it's always another country heard from, right? Yes. I ask this because the older form of this is another county heard from without mm-hmm. the R, C O N T Y, instead of C O N T R Y. And um, you might be surprised by this. I say this all the time on the show, don't I? <laughs> I find something really old. I have found this phrase back. As far as 1868. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's widespread. It's got a great history. Here's the thing. Imagine a world pre-telephone. For that matter, basically the um, Morse code was a new thing, and the telegraph was pretty rare. And if it existed at all, um, it was just a few miles. It wasn't like a cross-country or even an intercontinental thing. So when you do national elections or even state elections, it takes a while for the ballots to come in, right? Either they're bringing Mm -hmm. the count in or they're bringing the actual ballots in from all these precincts from far away to do the counting. And so you don't – it's not like you just wait a couple hours on election night to find out who wins. You may wait a week or two. And so over Mm -hmm. the course of the days of counting these ballots, um, the newspapers would report another county heard from. Wayne County went for, you know, Hayes, and here's the tally now. And so they would literally, I mean, I have, a, I have a clip from an Iowa newspaper in 1868. That's the, the headline on this election tally. It says, another county heard from. Huh. The election returns of Sioux County became manifest at the Capitol yesterday. The presidential vote stands Grant 6, Seymour 5. And it goes on to talk more about the election. And so this was just a standard journalistic kind of method of just updating people in a really precise, concise way. So people picked it up. And yeah, and, said, then, and then really quickly, by the 1870s, it comes to be used a little humorously and a little ironically. 
you'll see it show up in advertisements where some magazine would say, so-and-so in Tallahassee renewed his subscription to our fine journal another county heard from. And then huh. it starts showing up in stories and tales and fiction. And um, by the time radio came along, you started hearing it in radio scripts and television and movies. And it's kind of rare today, which is what's really exciting, Christina, because most people don't use it anymore. Yeah, that's another thing. I, You know, I hear about people's parents and grandparents using it, and I was surprised that my own grandmother used it, but mm-hmm. it kind of hasn't come down, <laughs> you know, and it hasn't come down to my generation. Although one time when w- my baby woke up from a nap, I... I said it, you know, and I was really surprised that I had picked it up. <laughs> it was just a reflex, uh, Yeah, huh? we all do that. We all end up yeah. speaking like our parents, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great expression. So, Christina, you're going to keep using it and spreading it around? I'm going to do my best. Okay, yeah. Raise that kid to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Christina. Thanks. Okay, Bye-bye. take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What are the things that you tell your children that your parents told you Call us and tell us about it. Words at waywardradio.org is the email address. one 929 is the phone number. You can also join us on Facebook at Wayward Radio, where you can join a community of people just like you who are talking about language. Things have come to a pretty pass. That's our show for this week. If you didn't get on the show today, you can leave us a message even when we're not on the air. Call us at one 929 or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. And you can stay in touch with us all week on Facebook. Look for us there under Wayward Radio. Stephanie Levine is our senior producer. Our technical director and editor is Tim Felton. We've had production help this week from Josette Herdell and Jennifer Powell. Away With Words is independently produced and distributed by Wayward Inc., a nonprofit organization. From Studio West in San Diego, I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. Bye now. Take care of yourself. Either, either, neither, neither, let's call the whole thing off. Yes, you like potato, and I like potato, you like tomato. Support for Away With Words comes from National University, where flexible online classes let you earn your degree or credential on your schedule. Learn more at nu.edu. Hi, it's Martha. Did you know that Away With Words is independently produced by a small nonprofit? To keep bringing you the show, we need your help. We welcome your contributions of any size. Go to waywardradio.org, click on Membership. Your donations do add up, and they make this program possible. Thanks. Hey, listeners, we have a favor to ask. We'd love for you to fill out our listener survey at gum.fm words. Your feedback is crucial. It's quick, and it helps us make our show even better. It shapes our show, helps us plan, and ensures we're bringing you the content you love. That's gum.fm slash W-O-R-D-S. Thanks for being a part of what we do. Thank you.